Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone and welcome to the Red Men TV. We've got an extra special show for you guys today. I'm Steve Hall, joined by Chris Page, Chloe Bloxham and Dan Club, and we are going to be looking back at Liverpool's transfer window. Now listen, when we planned this show a few weeks ago, did we think that there might be a Mo Salah thing rumbling on after the window? No, we didn't. So we're clarifying that now. We are doing that a day before. So if anything changes on that front, which I hope it doesn't, then yeah, that's why we haven't spoken about it because yeah, it hasn't, nothing's actually happened yet. And fingers crossed, it doesn't. Yeah, so what we're going to do, like I say, go through the window, what was good, what was bad, what Liverpool did, what they should have done, all that kind of stuff. And then right at the end of the show, I'll ask my three esteemed guests to grade Liverpool's window as a whole from A plus to F. You can get your school teacher hats on so i'll get you thinking um mr club miss blocksman mr pajak you're a harsh market do you think chris do you think i'm gonna be a, a fair market i think i'm gonna be fair straight down the middle always i will say you're a very fair person actually it bends off slightly to the right <coughs> okay right then before we start though um <laughs> just want to thank our sponsors for this show we, we are sponsored today by hello fresh they are an amazing company deliver amazing food that you can cook and if you want to get more information well check this out Today, we are sponsored by HelloFresh, and we've got an amazing offer of 60% off your first box and an additional 25% off your next eight boxes. HelloFresh is the easiest way to cook meals at home. Simply pick a plan that works for you, get your fresh ingredients delivered to your door, then cook your delicious meal with the easy-to-follow instructions provided. We're making a Thai-style beef bowl today, but there are a massive range of recipes to choose from on HelloFresh. You can filter your recipes from mostly meat, veggie, quick-to-cook, low-calorie, and more to fit your lifestyle. You can also tailor your meal plans by the number of people you're cooking for and how many recipes you want per week. Look, we all know following the football is time-consuming, but meal planning doesn't have to be. HelloFresh makes sure you have everything you need to cook a quick and nutritious meal so you can spend less time prepping your food and more time watching the mighty reds make sure you use our link in the description below or use the code redmentv on checkout or you can scan the qr code next to me to get that amazing offer it's 60 off your first box and 25 off your next eight boxes restaurant quality food really easy to do supermarket prices get on it 
Yeah, thanks very much to HelloFresh. Like I say, if you want to get yourselves involved, there's a link in the description of this video. Or if you listen as a podcast, it's there for you as well. It was yeah. so good, you know. Was it nice? It was a heavy breakfast. Yeah, you had that early <laughs> doors, didn't you? Yeah, yeah it was absolutely. lovely. Brilliant. Absolutely gorgeous. Right? Nice. So yeah, get yourselves involved. Code REDMENTV, all one word. Get 60% off your first box and then 25% off your next eight boxes. Yeah, get yourself some boss stuff. And thanks again to our mates at HelloFresh. Right then, I'll start off with mm. the show. Um, Dan, I'll come to you first if you don't mind, mate. Yeah, cool. Cast our mind back. We've just drew with Southampton. We know who's leaving on the freeze. Milner's gone. Bobby's gone. Ox has gone. And Naby Kate has gone. Mm-hmm. What was your expectation at that point in terms of incomings, outgoings, anything else that you thought Liverpool are going to do this summer? Was you expecting massive, massive, massive changes or just a little bit of here and there? Um, I think there's massive changes, personally. The midfield rebuild, um, often spoken about, often sort of felt like we needed it. Obviously, with the players that were leaving, you mentioned there, there had to be sort of a, a decent amount of incomings. There's no two ways about it. In terms of what I thought we'd do, I felt like two eights, two frontline eights was sort of the minimum. I thought we'd go and get a backup six to sort of take some of the pressure off Fabinho, allow Bajessis to carry on developing, and like I say, just literally get minutes in the legs and take minutes out of the legs of Fabinho because it's a like he would stay and then probably probably like a younger type to play in the midfield as well I would have said I also felt like Thiago would leave I felt that was nailed on I honestly with the especially when the stuff started coming around I thought well someone's just going to come and take Thiago he's going to want the move that's a no-brainer that feels like a good time for that um, and I didn't think we'd do this that would be me for the midfield by the way I think we'd bring in three plus your backup DM and then that would be us with the ones that went out and I felt like I would have liked us to have gone and done something in the defence, but that wasn't what I thought we would do. Chloe, on that, Dan mentioned the outgoings at the time. We because we lost four. Was there anyone else you thought might have been out the way? There was a, there was a, there was mumblings of Kelleher. There was a little bit of Timacast stuff as well. I feel um, like Melo's been hard done to with. We knew we were losing four. Yeah, yeah don't worry about him. <laughs> he was never eyes in the first place. Um, was there anyone else you thought that again? Thiago's the other one there. Was there because obviously we, we know what went on and we'll speak about Henderson and Fabinho later. But given we'd already lost four, was there anyone else you thought, yeah, we're not going to start next season with him in the, in the squad? There was rumblings around Joel Matip as well yeah. uh, due to his one year left on his contract, which I thought at the time him and Thiago were most likely to go. You know, he was a, a player who has been injury prone and has been boss for Liverpool when he's been in the team. But between him and Joe Gomez as your backups, we didn't have enough games in either of them. Turns out he did stay, um, and you know what, rightfully so, because he's playing at centre-half against uh, next to Joe Gomez now. Um, but yeah, I definitely thought Joel Matip and Thiago were the, the other two that could potentially go. Um, and there was there was talk over Diego Jota, why? I've got absolutely no idea. Um, I did not want him to go. Um, but yeah, it was more looking at a business perspective. It was the people who only had a couple of years, about a year left on their contract and seeing how much we could get for them. You know, we'll talk about Jordan Henderson in a bit, but I, th- I think before we even knew about him, it was more, okay, well, Thiago's only got a year left, so it'd be more good for business if we got maybe, you know, 15, 20 mil for him, kept Henderson for another year, maybe sold him next year. Um, But yeah, aside from that, it was just him and Joel Matip. Callagher, I did not want to go anywhere. I'm glad we kept hold of him. Um, And the the fee that they were talking about, it it was absolutely minuscule in this day and age uh, for a a backup goalkeeper who I reckon could start for at least, you know, all of the bottom half of the table uh, and potentially up into the Europa League spaces. So yeah, uh, there was a couple of people who I was worried about going some who I was like if they went I'm not really bothered um, but in the end they all turned out and stayed uh, you know what for me I was very very similar to Dan I did think 
that we'd signed two eights and a backup DM. I also thought from players that would have not been mentioned, there was rumblings around Carvalho at the end of the season, yeah, and yeah. I thought he would go permanently mm-hmm. rather than on a loan, if I'm being honest. I thought Williams and Phillips would probably both go, more because I, I was hoping Liverpool would try and sign two young centre-halves, a left-sided centre-half and a right-sided centre-half. I didn't think we'd actually get all this business done, by the way, same as sort of what Dan said before. But when I think about that three at the back that we've been left with, Phillips is not your guy there. Um, He can only really play central, and even that, it's like, well, probably not, to be honest. Williams was in the same boat for me. I didn't feel like the way that Liverpool were playing at the end of the season really suited either of those centre-backs so I was hoping that Liverpool would do a left-sided centre-back a right-sided centre-back a back-up right-back a back-up DM and two starters in the eights but then I probably thought Liverpool were going to do two eights a back-up right-back and maybe one versatile centre-half I suppose let's start on there then Dan because let's start with the eights because that was the one even before, again, this was before Henderson and Fabinho, so I don't worry. We'd lost Cater, we'd lost Chamberlain, Carvalho at this point. If it was it was all but given, he was going. He ends up going on loan, obviously to Leipzig. Milner eight as well. He he'd gone out the, out the door. So we were like, all right. Even you know, even Bobby Firmino, he's dropped into like ten, eight positions at times. So that was the one that Liverpool were, were were all over. Cast your mind back. It felt like, and I don't, don't want to put put words in anyone's mouth. The plan was probably Alexis McAllister. Mm-hmm. Mason Mount, but there was Taram talk, there was Tacone talk. It was, it, you know, York Schmack is in now, obviously, I'm doing this. It felt like Liverpool's net was, was had been cast far and wide here, which is very different, I think, to in the past where there's been specific players. It did feel like Liverpool knew they had to get these lads in, and we, we're gonna have to go and get do as much as we can because we can't pick and choose. This can't be Virgil van Dijk, where it's him or nobody. Then it felt like immediately the net, the net had been cast all over Europe, really. Yeah, and it had to be, like you say, because they were the glaringly obvious places that we had to go and strengthen. They had to be frontline options. We couldn't, so he couldn't wait another window for this. It just couldn't happen because we'd have left with nobody, essentially. And we've done that in the past. We've been guilty of that in the past with the defenders previously. We waited for too many. That never happened. And this time around, it was actually Bellingham before any of them, wasn't it? We wanted yeah. Bellingham so badly. He was top of that list. And then when you don't get him, you go to the next one. And we have been guilty, like I say, and I think me and you both had conversations with Neil Jones early on in the summer, whereby you say, Liverpool previously have had a list, and once the top target's not attainable, they just don't do anything. That couldn't happen this time around. If your top target didn't happen, your second target didn't happen, you have to keep going down that list, because otherwise, I didn't want to see what it looked like otherwise, to be honest with you. So it was a little bit different from Liverpool in that respect. And obviously, when Jashmatka comes in as well, you start to hear rumblings of... You're going to be concentrating on the Bundesliga markets. Then when some of the names come out, Kone especially, obviously you think, well, that makes perfect sense. Of course it does, yeah. But McAllister, as you say, was definitely very high on that list. I'm not entirely sure we knew we were going to get in for as cheap as we did. Whoever sort of found that little, was it wasn't a release clause, was it? A mechanism in his contract, it was called, it was described as, yeah. So whoever found that deserved a little bit of a bonus, in my opinion. But yeah, that piece of business, right at the start of the window as well, was really smart, really good. And it set us off on a positive footing as well because there was some uncertainty there was a lot of unrest around the, the fan base and stuff because these transfer windows in recent times especially the summer ones have been terrible and then when you do miss out on Bellingham there was a meltdown immediately after that it's like well our top target's gone now what do we do because we've got a recent history 
of not acting when our top target gone elsewhere, Virgil van Dijk, many being the key examples. But this time around, touch wood, thankfully, um, when Bellingham did decide he was going to go to Real Madrid, we went, okay, then who's the next one? And it looks like potentially McAllister might have been on there as well, but McAllister might have been the next one. And it was done very, very quickly, which you've got to give us credit for. On that close, well, I, th- I think that's fair enough, isn't it? Because okay, there was a lot of Uman and Ardo, who's actually going to be running the transfers this year. I remember York Schmadke's actually quite late into the party. He's not, he's not, he's not there that long before this window opens, and all of a sudden he's dealt with a massive rebuild. Liverpool have lost some big players there who played a lot of minutes for the football club. The McAllister deal was a, a sigh of relief to everybody, really, wasn't it? When that one got done as early as it did get done, you know, everyone's talking Jaeger wants players in before pre-season. Well, mm. there you go. That's that's boxed off. And, in, and and the fee as well, when it comes out that he's paid somewhere around £35 million for Premier League proven, World Cup winner, brilliant footballer. That one, I mean, as signings go, if you were given that, that's like a 10 out of 10 signing. It just feels like that that in, that one in particular, he got nailed on straight away. Yeah, on, on the Jörg Schmadke thing, I'm not too sure he's actually done a lot uh, I don't think he's been at the forefront I'm not too sure about that um, but what I will say on the, the McAllister deal is I don't <laughs> I don't know why everyone's talking about 55 mil because it was 35 the 55 yeah. is rising up to if such and such happen uh, it is very much 35 million and it's an incredible bit of business I was very confused at the time why no one else was in for him really there was rumours of people in but Liverpool were the only one who would put I it on the maybe. table I think maybe so. I think Liverpool have done the work. Maybe, I, mean, yeah. I think they've done the Van Dyke situation where they've been in his ear yeah. a long yeah. time. We should say on that, it was a Julian Ward deal, this one as well. We mm. should be a pain to stress at this point yeah. because it was his, his sort of parting gift to Liverpool. I think it was described as. So credit to him on that. Yeah, um, unbelievable footballer, like you said, Premier League proven. And it was clear that we'd identified him, even though it happened so early on in the window, it still felt like it dragged because it felt like we'd been hearing the rumours for the past three months. Um, and eventually, you know, we, we get him through the door. It's boss. It's a boss way to start. And I at that moment, I thought Liverpool mean business. They're going to rattle him off one by one by one. Didn't slightly work out that way, you know, but... At, at the same time, Liverpool got the business done <laughs> in time, I guess. Um, but yeah, having him come in was a big statement to the rest of the Premier League because he was, you know, cheap as hell. He was boss. Um, a, a lot of people probably would have liked him in their team, uh, and it was a great way to start off the window. In the fullness of time, sorry, sorry, sorry to interject there. In the fullness of time. We screwed ourselves for Casado with the McAllister and we screwed Chelsea for Casado because it was getting him so cheap, man. They absolutely dug their heels yeah. in yeah. on Moises um, Casado, didn't they? But I, I, like the McAllister one was, was, was just brilliant, wasn't it? It was just a, you could see it. And the only other word that you guys didn't mention was versatile because we've seen now and we knew already that he could play that six as well as yeah. the eight and, and stuff like that. I do wonder. Dan just mentioned the name a couple of times when he was talking. I I think back now and wonder whether, you know, we scrambled around for that £111 million for Casado. I reckon Liverpool kept tabs on too many all summer as well. As somebody who we really thought, like especially with Bellingham going to them, that I thought Liverpool might think there would be some movement on too many and they were there if they ever got a sniff about it in much the same way as as soon as they heard there might have been a little chance of Casado, they were in there. Same with Gravenberg. I think too many was probably the biggest target this summer and it didn't end up coming off. Yeah, you're right, I mean, you, you, you wouldn't surprise you with it. He, he, he certainly had the irons and a lot of fires and that is different in the past because, like I say, they've been so good as well. This is the difference, isn't it, Chris? I suppose is that when you, when we were the team on the rise and we were being really, really picky, it paid off a little and they got to the top of the mountain and then what happened was when everyone aged together and for whatever reasons, Liverpool didn't probably do enough to keep it ticking over so they were left in a situation where 
you know, it feels like there was a lot in the Taram links and the Kone links. Mason Mount, there was a lot, a lot in that as well. Gravenberch is rumbling on. So it's like comes from nowhere, but it, it does feel like they say because they'd left there a bit one too many summers. Perhaps they they, they couldn't be laser focused. I think they were laser focused on McAllister and got that's why that one got done early. I don't think it was a big shock that it took a little bit longer to get the rest because I don't think they actually knew he's the guy. Would that be fair to say? Um, yeah, probably. I think you know, obviously, Sobislai has a big difference to everything that we do. I mean, they they probably didn't think they were going to get Dom Sobislai, but they found out there was a release clause and they went and paid the release clause, and that probably had a big impact on the second part of the summer as well. You know, most normal transfers you might have you might have thrown down thirty, forty million in instalments or whatever, and and the fee might rise to 70, 80 million over the course of it. But having to put down close on 70 million quid on one lad who they really wanted when they found out they could get him, I think then had a knock-on effect on the finances for the rest of the summer as well. And um, that probably led to them agreeing to sell Henderson and Fabinho, to be honest, having to put so much down on Sobersly. Do you think then, and we also, I want to speak about the Sobersly one next, Dan, I'll come to you on that one. That was, again, it was a very quick one. It, this, you know, we know how, how this works, really. We've been doing it for a long time. You get the, the, the breadcrumbs are always out on, and it felt like the every single breadcrumb was leading to Liverpool signing Kevin Saram. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt like every single, every single piece was like, the, the path is leading right towards Saram. And I think we'd all be fine with that. I think most people were excited. No, Chris, you had a little look at him. I think everyone was like, yeah, that would be a really good sign. And I think there were a lot of people, myself included, would have, would have liked Mason Mount. It became obvious that he wanted to go to Manchester United. You see, that path diverts. It did feel like Liverpool took a sharp right towards Sobosly. I don't know in terms of how it actually went about when they made that pivot. Was he always the plan? But it came about very, very quickly. And before, you know, I think it was linked on Wednesday, bought by Friday, Saturday, something like that. It was it was really, really fast that he got that one done. Yeah, it was, but there was um, a deadline on his release clause, wasn't yeah. it? It was the Friday. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was literally doing one of our news shows um, on Kefren Taram when I first heard about it. I seen people started putting it in the chat on YouTube, and I was like, these just want me to try and pronounce his name, don't they? <laughs> They're just trying to trick me here because there's loads of S's and loads of Z's. They want me to try and say it. And then I can't remember who came through the door. Someone came through, <clears throat> excuse me, someone came through and said, no, it's a real thing. Check David Ornstein's Twitter. So it did. And as it turned out, Liverpool were very much in for Dom Sobersly. And I was over the moon with that, to be honest with you. I think you're right. We all kind of were very accepting the Taram deal. And it's interesting, obviously, we end up going to Gravenberg because Taram positionally, he's got that versatility that Gravenberch also possesses because he can play in six, he can play in eight. And it felt like that was what we were going for at the time. We'd just missed out on Mount, obviously. But then when the Sobberslide deal comes about or the opportunity to make the Sobberslide deal happens, he's very much the, we haven't got Mount, let's get him instead because in terms of stylistically, they're quite similar. But obviously Newcastle wanted him. He was essentially on his way to the UK to go up to Newcastle. And the first word we got sort of in the background was that he might end up going to Newcastle. But clearly he chose, which is a massive part of this transfer, by the way. Say what you want about Liverpool finding his release clause and then paying his release clause. But the fact that he decided between Newcastle and Liverpool, I quite fancy Liverpool, is a huge, huge tick in our box. So good on him for that. And listen, like I say, we've all been critical of Jörg Schmadke. And rightfully so, in some respects. We'll talk about how some of the sagas played out a little bit later on. But in this particular instance, because Julian Ward's gone by this point, this has nothing to do with Julian Ward. It's a Bundesliga signing, so you'd have to suggest that Schmadke's had a big say in it. He's done it. He's found that they've found the release scores. They've got it. They've got the deal done. They've spoke to him. They spoke to the respective agents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and they brought in a very high class talent. But you're right. I was certainly Wednesday afternoon. First sort of tweet came out from Ornstein, and by the Friday morning, he was a Liverpool player. So 
big, big credit to Liverpool because not only was that out of nowhere in terms of suddenly we wanted him, like I say, there was literally a deadline to get it done by and we did it. Yeah, they did. Someone who I know works in F1, a good friend of mine, Sean, once said to me, because you know, I like the F1 and stuff as well, and he once said to me, Formula One is essentially industrial espionage interrupted on a Sunday by a race. And it feels like football's gone that way as well now, doesn't it? You know, you have to find these release clauses. And like, what are they doing to find these things out? Like, it, it must be crazy. Like, the, you know, the, the amount of moles they've got in all these different places and, you know, speaking to players, that must be the way to do it by the way it must just be you've got to speak to someone in his entourage or a player or something Mm. like that um so it's funny though but when it ends up being and why i won't give schmacker all the credit unless it comes out that he's found it is it's essentially like me buying a tin of beans in tesco there's the price i go up to the till and i pay the price right schmacker's done that essentially for sovereign if he found the information out, all the credit in the world to you. If it was one of your guys who found it out, all the credit in the world to you. If not, it's just like me buying beans in Texas. You say that, but maybe you, you wouldn't have to uh, convince the tin of beans to get in, in your sorry, You know, you're <laughs> I think it, I do. He, he hasn't got another... You're t- not seeing me in the supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. You'll love it. <laughs> you are going to go with some sausages, my friend. I, don't, I never go to the supermarket. I just use HelloFresh. Oh... <laughs> anyway, Chloe, come, let, let, Liverpool have got two number eight in, and I think at this point everyone's like, yeah, sound. Really good players, you know. Everyone's really excited by McAllister and the Sobers like stuff. It was like, yeah, sound. You know, everyone's really happy. This is where the window probably turns in a direction where Liverpool weren't expecting. And you talk about the methodical nature of, of transfer windows and what you want. And, and Liverpool, I think. Ducks in a row, they know exactly how they're going to navigate through a window. They're open to opportunities and they're waiting for things to happen if they need to happen. But, uh, but like the Henderson links to Saudi Arabia starts and everyone kind of doesn't pay attention. And then actually it turns out, oh no, this looks quite serious. At the exact same time, Fabinho links to Saudi Arabia come out. And again, it starts looking quite serious already that these things are going to potentially happen. This is probably the the major turning point in Liverpool's window. I don't, do you think the idea was to ever, ever sell Henderson or Fabinho at any point when they were in May, or April, May? Or do you think it was just like, wow, oh my God, there we go? No, I, I don't think there was a plan to sell either of them. I thought we were, look, everyone was looking at Lavia and Lavia was going to be the understudy of Fabinho. That is the way we all saw it. Henderson, you know, Sobersly was going to take form on that right-hand side and Henderson was going to be in rotation with that or the six if needed or, in fact, the other side if needed as well. They were We wanted Henderson to become the James Milner. That's what we all spoke about. Um, so I don't think at any point, and to be fair to the fans, to all of us, I don't think anyone expected Saudi Arabia to come in for Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson, of all people. Fabinho, I could maybe slightly see more, but I don't think anyone thought anyone was going to put anything on the table for Jordan Henderson. It just it came out of the blue. It was Thiago, as you said before. Yeah, Thiago was the one who you you thought, my God, one of the greatest midfielders, the the suave of him, the name of him. Um, You don't put that on the same height as, as Jordan Henderson. So it was a surprise to us all. And at first, I mean, Jordan Henderson's had an absolute horrific... 24 hours already and I'm about to pile on it even more um at first I think we all turned around and was like no you know he's from England his family's here this 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 he's stood up for these 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 he went through this he's against those morals all of this and that and all of a sudden he was forcing his way out the door you saw him come back in training and everyone was like 
he would not get that into shape to go off to a league where he, he can walk around a football pitch. It just no, doesn't happen. And then it seemed forceful. He wasn't in Premier. He wasn't in the, the pre-season games. He'd, he'd flown but wasn't included in any of the squad. And he thought to himself, yeah, he wants to move. Yeah, he wants to go. Um, and by that point, we've all heard Jürgen before say, if you don't want to play for us, then I don't want you in my squad. Um, and I don't care what Jordan Anderson came out and said. Uh, it was him wanting to go as well. Um, because Jordan... Jordan Henderson went above Julian Ward to get you a four-year contract, lad. Uh, no, Jürgen he didn't Klopp want. Went yeah, yeah, Jürgen Klopp went above Julian Ward. Sorry to get you a. I thought uh, it was Edwards. Was it Edwards? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, you know, that came out of the blue. He left, and I think there was a, a distaste of of how he'd left. Like that's not how you captain leaves and possibly the greatest captain in Liverpool history. That is the respect I had for Jordan Henderson, um, oh, and it felt like we'd. Oof. Yeah, that that is tense. Um, but we'd sold him, and I was like, "Fine, move on from it." Yeah, we were all a little bit worried about maybe the senior people at the club, and he was going to take that role. That Jordan Henderson had, had put himself in for the last twelve years at the football club, um, and then Fabinho. It was all around the time, and Fabinho wasn't even in the preseason. He was in nothing. So that one, you kind of know. Okay, the, the finding Sutton here, he's most definitely gone with Jordan Henderson. The fact that he'd gone to the training program, it was a bit like. Is he going? Are we going to use him? What's happening with Fabinho? It was like, yeah, you stay far away. You don't get injured. You don't do anything. We're getting a fee for you. And I think it was, you know, when 40 mil came in, Liverpool could not refuse it. I think that's the only reason why they sold him. Um, I, at the time, thought it was like stupid. I I didn't think it was enough money. That money was not going to get you Lavia, it turns out. So I thought, you know, coming from Saudi Arabia, that fee wasn't a lot. Um, But it was... Uh, you know, Fabinho at his age declined last season. Who knows if he would ever get back? Liverpool decided not to take the risk and to take the money. Um, and that you know, I won't go into who we signed to replace him. Um, but them <clears> two <throat> going was a shock to the system. Chris, let's talk. The the, the interesting one with Fabinho is the before it's million Liverpool like yeah straight away there was no like there was no messing about with it. The reason Henderson's on the training camp is because Liverpool trying to get twenty million. And in the end, they end up with 12 million quid. So they're two very different things, really. That is, Liverpool have, Liverpool have decided to, to let both these guys go. But the Fabinho one feels, yeah, that's just a good fee for a lad who we don't know about anymore. The Henderson one, there was a little bit more uncertainty around. Like, hey, I mean, there's a country with like all the money in the world and they're only trying to get them for whatever. And they end up getting, I think they want them for nothing. Free. At one they point, did, yeah. they end up paying 12. It does feel like there's like different reasons between Liverpool allowing these two deals to happen. Would that be fair to say? I think so. Yeah, I think. Listen, yeah, I saw Dan sort of shaking his head when the, the when we turned down or when we took the money for Fabinho and Chloe. Obviously, goes on to say she didn't think it was enough. I remember at the time thinking it's an opportunity for Liverpool, and you know, as the weeks have gone on, I've realised I was probably wrong. In, well, definitely wrong in in that viewpoint. But I do feel like we're never going to find out whether that was good money because he's not playing in a league where it actually matters. Like, Sadio Mane, looking back at it, looks like we got really good money for Sadio Mane after the season that he had. And sometimes, you know, I think of the great Manchester United sides and the great Arsenal sides and um, great Liverpool sides as well. You do know when a player's done. Like, 50 million at the time for Torres didn't feel like enough, to be honest with you, even though it was a massive fee at the time. But after the season at Chelsea, we had the pants down. 
So Coutinho's the Coutinho's the exactly yes. the answer. Fabinho had a terrible season. There can't have been so much trust from Liverpool that we'd get that money next summer if he was to move on because they might be thinking he's over the hill. If he's over the hill and he's not worth forty million to Liverpool, then forty million's really good business. Now it left us short and it meant that we had to scramble around a little bit. But if there was internal discussion before the transfer of listen, do we need to sign someone? I mean, Lavia was the replacement for Fabinho, whether it was three months, six months, nine months or 12 months, Liverpool had moved on from Fabinho by just trying to sign Romeo Lavia. So for me, 40 million was probably the thing where they go, yeah, okay, fine. We don't think he's worth 40 million to us. And that's the difference. 40 million to me, to Chloe, to Dan, (laughs) to you, for someone that we still believe might be good enough is different. But if they don't deem him a £40 million mm. player, they deem him a £20 million player, then they've got double the money. It's interesting, Dan, because like there was rumours that he were in for Diaz, mm-hmm. there were rumours that he were in for Alisson, and, and Liverpool were just like, nah. There isn't, there isn't a price. At our time recording, there's no price they can get Mo Salah for, touch with that stage the next 24 yes, hours yes. or so. But with Fabinho and Henderson, there was clearly a price. They weren't, they weren't untouchable players in the squad. And that, that, that for me goes to show maybe the plan was to get a DM and maybe to phase them out I think the Lavia thing maybe was that but that it is interesting that Liverpool decided to let them both go because effectively they had three number sixes last year and, and then a kid who emerged in Pachetic it was Fabinho it was Henderson next was actually James Milner and he's already left now mm. and all of a sudden they've gone actually nowhere happy with you to go it feels like it can't have been the, the they haven't been blown out the water with a bid that is like ridiculously crazy. Like, you know what I mean? You could have turned those deals down. Mm-hmm. It feels like Liverpool were actually quite comfortable moving on from those two players. I get that. I'm still, and I was uncertain at the time, particularly with the Fabinho one. The Henderson one felt like, yeah, that's probably okay. That's probably right. Because, like we already mentioned, he was going to move into the Milner role and replacing someone for the Milner role felt, with all due respect to both Milner and John Henson, like quite a simple thing to do, really, in terms of minutes, in terms of what you want from them. The Fabinho one still shocks me to this day because, like we've already mentioned, it wasn't part of our plan. Um, and if you are going to allow your plan to be disrupted by a different football clubs, certainly one from Saudi Arabia, whereby they've got more money than sense, you make them pay through the nose for it. And I don't think we did that with those deals, particularly the Fabinho one, like I say. And I'm just, I'm still not certain about it to this day. And I, I take all your points on the fact that he had a terrible season last year, but that was on the back of the quad quest, obviously, and the amount of football he played during that. It just felt like we needed that understudy to come through the door and to take some pressure off and to allow him to have more rest because he hasn't had a rest, like a proper genuine rest. For since he's been to the football club, essentially, he's got a five year one now. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't know, I just it still doesn't sit well with me that fee. I, I, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever really make peace with it. And like Chris says, we're not going to see whether he was over the hill because the football league he's playing in now doesn't really allow us to see that anymore. But yeah, you're right, Liverpool clearly felt that there was a price whereby they'd sell both of them. And I do wonder still, though, on that whether it's more of a case of, and it comes back to what we've all said about Liverpool Football Club, we want players, when we sign players, we want them to choose us. We want them to be like, yeah, I want to play for you. Works either way. If we've got a player that suddenly says, I don't want to be here anymore, then see you later. And if Fabinho and Henderson, because we know this is how Saudi Arabia operate, they speak to the players' camp first, they get their nod of approval, and then they go to the club. So if both of them have gone, yeah, go on, I'll have it. And then by that point, the club, Liverpool, the hands are tied. If Fabinho and Henderson have said, yes, I want to move to Saudi, the minute any offer comes through the door that they see as even half acceptable, they're probably going to take. Because otherwise, say you say you no know to 40 million for Fabinho and Aletti are like, okay, we're not going any higher. All of a sudden, you've got a player who doesn't want to be there anymore and the chances of getting 40 million from a different club in Europe, I think are quite slim. I said from day one with Fabinho on, if that's Bayern Munich offering 40 million for Fabinho, that's probably about right. 
But if it's a Saudi Arabian club, I'd want 10, 15, 20 million more because I was always concerned that we can go back on video. I was always concerned about where we find the replacement and look how it panned out. Got a couple of comments here. Titch Green uh, in the Discord says, I kind of felt he didn't push the price for Fabinho because they were trying not to inflate the market anymore. Whatever you get for Fabinho. It's too late for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balls, <laughs> yeah, yeah. balls and, uh, and Scottish Red says, He went Henderson or Fabinho, yes, but not both. And that's kind of, that's the thing, isn't it? Because they did let both go. And now here we are. We're in DM gate. Let's there's the section of the show that is like probably one of the most un Liverpool windows that we've ever pro- we probably ever had. Lavia as a Liverpool target made complete sense. He ticked every box that Liverpool tends to go for. Young, bad bad, we can go through it all. Price should be normal. Liverpool find themselves now in a new world of transfers where there's more teams with loads of moves. The market's inflated, as was mentioned before. And Liverpool have been £35 million to a team who have been relegated. And usually in the past, you would go, back your hand off. Southampton are in such a strong position, whether it's financially, contractually. They've already sold a couple of other players. War Prowse has been linked away. That they were able to dig their heels in here. And ultimately, the first, I think, major criticism of Liverpool in this window, and there's probably a few of them, is that so they knew the asking price for Lavia. And they end up getting very, very close to it. But by that point, he'd missed out. Any... The, the the you know the thirty million pound the forty million pound bids and, and Southampton going you going back to your tin of beans it's fifty quid it's fifty million it's it's fifty million there's the price and Liverpool never get them and it feels like that one we have time will tell if he's the one that gets to it because who knows how it pans out but that the whole Lavi situation at this point is is very very messy isn't it it was terribly done by Liverpool wasn't yeah. it ultimately I've got no problem with Liverpool deciding. That Lavi is the guy for the future, but when Fabinho moves on, they need someone for the now as well. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and then I've got no problem with Liverpool going, somebody else better is available. Yeah. Let's go and try and get him, because that's the idea. You want to get better. Just because you've thought Lavia was the guy, when you hear that you can get Moises Casado and you believe Moises Casado to be maybe a better prospect and the better here and now footballer, then go and get the better footballer for for your football club. No problem with that as well. I've got and I've gotten I've not really got any issues with the player deciding. To be honest, that actually you didn't make me want to feel loved, and I I'm not going to come to you. I think at that point you've got to ask the questions of the people who were maybe advising Lavia about potential playing time and all that type of stuff. So, but Liverpool, I think, look stupid in this this situation. But actually, if you just analysed it from Liverpool tried to buy a player they wanted, Liverpool got wind that there was a better player available. Liverpool bid for the better player. Actually, the clubs that like Manchester United that needed a DM, they should be embarrassed because they didn't go in for him. Like you know what I mean? Like they they've needed the DM for three years and still didn't get the best one on the market. In get in fact, they went for a lad that pretty much every club in the top six passed over, um, in Sofran Amrabat. So who who's the embarrassment here? Liverpool for trying to get better, or Manchester United for not seeing the better players and going for them? You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it was crazy, and we looked stupid. The optics of it are terrible, but and we didn't get a DM that's probably worth. The, or the, of the level that Liverpool wanted to, but at least we shot our shot. I suppose, Chloe, that, that Matty makes a good point in the, in the chat. He says, mm-hmm. the minute Liverpool left Fabinho go, they, log- they lost any negotiation power they had yeah. for a number six because Southampton, no, we're desperate. Yeah. We haven't got anyone. If you just lost Henderson, it's a good point Matty makes. Um, we had another comment here uh, from Remy. He says, Liverpool, right, not to pay 50 million for Lavia. He's not worth it. And ultimately, it looks like that was the decision he made. But by 
trying to buy, and this is what they like, hate Liverpool, hate doing this, is trying to buy the replacements once you've sold the fella. You see, that's why they get Diaz in, because they know Sadio might be off. The reason that we were getting Cody Gakpo in is because they probably know Bobby Firmino is going off. They'd sold the both DMs, three of them effectively, and the other one's an injured kid. They've got no one left. Southampton are going, why are we going to bend to your will? You've, you know, we, we've done this before with, with, with Virgil van Dijk. We know if you're desperate, you'll pay. And that's what the whole situation ends. That's what happens here, isn't it, really? That this is why it's very, very messy now because Liverpool, who love winning deals and being the master negotiators and being the strength in the room, kind of when any deal they're in, all of a sudden they get they kind of getting a little bit bullied by Southampton. They're like, no, we've got a better DM than usual in the Championship. Pay the money. Yeah, and that was the problem with the Fabinho thing and and with not getting an inflated amount of money for him. Liverpool already had far too much business to do in that transfer window before selling, you know, Jordan Henderson. And Fabinho, the Fabinho who the ones an understudy for for maybe in you know a year's time, two years time, that person had then become the main man, and Fabinho could leave. No one. This is what happens when you sell players when you don't expect them to, and this is another reason why I agree with Dan is that forty million was never enough because it didn't get you Lavia, who was your understudy to begin with. Do you think Liverpool thought it would though? Do you think Liverpool thought we'll take the forty for Fab? And we'll just spend it on Lavia. And therefore, they might have been a bit naive thinking that he can just bully Southampton a little Maybe, bit. Maybe, but at the same time, it's a case of the they rejected you beforehand anyway. But on top of that, you've now sold the player... So everyone knows, everyone in the transfer market knows, you now don't have a DM. And you've got money. You've got <laughs> money and you don't have a DM. It's ridiculous that the, I, it's like I, I, if I was in Southampton's position, I wouldn't. It's three mil at that the, we end up not And also you've got Chelsea sniffing around in this exactly. place. And you know Man City have got a close for the year after. The year so they after? are in the biggest position. Freddy. And also City had a release, uh, a sell-on yeah. clause, yeah. which meant they were never going to go any cheaper anyway because they wanted to get the most out of Liverpool. It was just an absolute shit show by Liverpool, to be perfectly honest, around that time. Um, and selling Fabinho really didn't help us. Selling Jordan Henderson on top of that, because at least if one of them would have stayed, specifically Jordan Henderson in this case, you could just turn around and bluff and say, no, no, he's going to play our CDM. We, he's done it before. You know, we'll just battle through. We, You know, Soboslai goes there. That's why we bought Soboslai, because he's going to go there. We already knew Jordan Henderson was going to become the Milner role. He's versatile, so we can do that six. But when you sell both of them and you've got an 18 year old kid who's injured uh, who you know was boss when he played last season but we played him too much and we put too much stress on him and he got injured then you just you've just helped everyone realize the glaring problem with your football club and where you're identifying that the fix is um and on top of that it's all about inflation and so fernandez went for like 105 mil a year like the year before the inflation was already ridiculous um and that is the other reason why selling fabinho who's one it's all who could absolute walk around that pitch in Saudi Arabia and not have to do anything um, and still look excellent. That is why 40 mil seemed so, so low when the rest of the Premier League were getting ridiculous. I mean, Koulibaly went for something. There was loads of players. Mendy, there was loads who were going um, to Saudi Arabia who weren't even half the player that Fabinho was at his peak. The difference there or, is there's links to Chelsea. There is. Yeah, there is. There's, a massive, yeah. there's a massive element in the room on that one. Isn't I it? also meant in the city of Adam stuff, but yeah, we are. We Freddie are. Thompson says, I don't know why we were in such a rush to sell Hendo and Fabinho. It wasn't amazing money and we didn't need to get the, we needed to get their replacements in first and that's why it ends up getting done over. So at this point let's let's jump into the Moises Casado transfer. Oh, Christ, I saw 
Uh, I think we, you know, Josh Williams, who does the deep dive with Chris, I remember him saying to me, like, I was speaking to him as well, I think he's done this on other shows, we said, like, not sure this would have all happened under previous regimes. They'd have made sure the fella was desperate. Now, by all accounts, the reporting is, he was going to, he was meant to go to Chelsea, that deal was stumbling. Um, somewhat, Liverpool got wins, that there's an opportunity. They obviously spoke to an agent or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be quite happy. They know what the asking price is because Brighton have made it perfectly clear. Liverpool go and bid it. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, Liverpool are about to do something they've never done. But this is beyond anything, really. Without really selling anyone, they're going to go and break a world British transfer record, whatever you want to call it, for a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's call it the British transfer record because it wasn't the world. British transfer record for a midfielder. Who's the world record for a midfielder? I don't know, for a midfielder, actually. Maybe it was similar. It might have been for Bellingham. Nat 100 plus 30, was so, it? Yeah, so maybe. Anyway, either way, yeah. big fee. £111 million bid accepted. It's worth mentioning that. It feels like this where Liverpool got played. And you do wonder if the the, the changeover in whoever's running the show, I'm not sure Michael Edwards falls for this. I'm not, I don't even know if Julian Ward falls for this. I'm not blaming, well, maybe I am, a bit of schmack and a bit of clock, whatever. But someone somewhere got some duff info. And it didn't half make Liverpool end up... They got themselves in a massive saga where they come out of the losers. Yeah, it's not the sort of thing we normally get embroiled in, is it? We kind of pride ourselves in our transfer business, being very streamlined, not getting involved in these messy situations. But yeah, I don't really... Much like Chris, I don't really... I'm not really critical of Liverpool on this occasion for sort of taking the shots on that one because it felt like he was the answer. We've all kind of skirted around it for weeks on end. When it looked like we're going for Lavia, we're concentrating on Lavia. I think Chris and Josh both said on deep dives that good player, you know, very, very capable, good option, but not the man for the here and now. And on the back of that, you almost finished that sentence by saying, whereas Caicedo very much is. And Liverpool clearly felt that way as well. We skirted around the the Lavia stuff rather. We didn't want to go as high as they wanted because we didn't quite feel like it was worth it. But then all of a sudden we see a, a glimmer of light in the Caicedo deal and go, yeah, go on then. And we've got to give, in a, in a way, in terms of above Shmadka and Klopp, I guess, because you're right, they have made a mess of it by either getting told the wrong things and believing it in terms of like you said, like Caicedo would come to Liverpool, but really his preference is Chelsea. Um, should we have entered that market? Possibly not. Obviously, with hindsight being uh, helpful in that, but Liverpool above that in terms of FSG, we're willing. That's that's the key to all this. Billy really Hogan was massively involved. In uh, yeah, massively. The and they've they've seen and and we will do this when we feel like the opportunity presents itself and is the right play. If we see a genuine game changer in what Liverpool are doing now, whether it meant we did any other business after that, we'll never know. Probably not. Will be my hunch. But if we see an opportunity, we did it with Van Dijk. We see, did it with Allison and Fabinho previously. Obviously, the fees are slightly higher now, but that's the world we're living in. If we see a player that genuinely transforms the way our future is then we'll go and do it. Now, Caicedo may or not prove to be that good because his Chelsea start wouldn't suggest he is, but for whatever reason, we felt like he is the lad, he's the one that we need now and for probably the next six, seven, eight years or whatever it may be. So I'm positive in the fact we're willing to do that. Now, I do wonder, I spoke to Ian Doyle sort of in the aftermath of it all and he essentially said to me there's a bit of a red herring the fee because everyone was then expecting us to spend 111 million as a minimum but he was kind of like well you might have sort of took some out of next summer's budget or even January's budget to sort of fund that you know what I mean and there wasn't quite a pot of money there but it was a Caicedo's pot of money like for him we'll pay it but for anybody else we're not interested so yeah, disappointing, obviously, in the way it all ended up. An absolute saga, a real mess. Liverpool end up coming out of on the wrong side, obviously. But like I say, for me personally, I come away with that sort of filled with a little bit of confidence that when Liverpool see a player 
that's worth paying through the nose for will go and do it. And that, that can only be seen as a good thing. We've got, I've, got, I've got a comment here. I think it's Sarah Thor. I apologize, you got your name wrong. says, come on, Steve, the player just deliberately flipped the script. It's not Liverpool's fault for taking the player's word and then ha- having them play the dickhead move and getting the, the player Well, they just coached wages. Chelsea out, didn't they? That's, what, yeah, that's, that's, what, what that's what's happened. It feels like I'm not blaming Liverpool per se, but the the the... the, the the music all along, Chris was that he was going to go to Chelsea, he wants to go to Chelsea, He's, he had his eyes, heart says on Chelsea. I don't know, I, I I still think you can be criticised for getting played a little bit because I understand shoot your shot and absolutely shoot your shot, but I think when you put a bid in for a player, you you probably need some more assurances than something. Because Jürgen, and then Jürgen's press conference, yeah, we've agreed that we've had a bid accepted, apparently Casado, top at that point, had told Jürgen, kind of want to go to Chelsea, mate. It feels like the real winners here were just Casado and Brighton. They, the, you know, they they got more money for the player. They held out. Chelsea got the player, so they'll be relatively happy if he goes on and has a good a good career there. I mean, he hasn't started well, but it's early days. It feels like I, I understand it might not have been particularly poor. So I don't know, but we're the ones who end up with nothing. You know what I mean? Everyone else has kind of got what they want, and Liverpool like ah. Yeah, I think the other part to, to play in all of this is Brighton. You've got to analyse that, haven't you? Because there was a deadline, yeah, and he chose not to agree to it. Yeah, and obviously I think, you know, they've come out after the fact. I think it was maybe like the Monday or the Tuesday and spoke about how Liverpool dealt with them and they were very professional. Mm-hmm. And that was damage limitation for them. And I get their reasoning as well. Like, it's like, look, the, the player didn't go to you. We accepted the bid. At some point, we've kind of got to take our best interests at heart. So I understand Brighton's thing. But from Liverpool's point of view, when you think there's a deadline, you've won the battle when it comes to the deadline, you then do think that you're the only one that's going to be able to speak to them. Now, the problem is that, you know, Moises Casado and Chelsea had been speaking for months and I believe that there was a large influence from the agent to Moises Casado about which team he should go to and I believe it to be true that, you know, the team that ended up winning out was actually going to pay the agent more money, uh, which doesn't surprise me either. Um because we've all been around this sun a few too many times to realise anything different to that. So, But the big surprise there is, like, at worst, I think Liverpool were thinking to themselves, well, we'll just get Lavia. <laughs> That's the big surprise, because yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. no way Chelsea would sign both of them, because they can't afford 111 million. And so they definitely can't afford 161 million. Turns out they could. Turns out they could. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good. Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, Titch, in the, Titch Green again in the, in the Discord says, well, Casado had his heart set on January. Sorry, Casado has his heart at Arsenal. Arsenal in January, so mm. it wasn't out of the realm's possibilities. He could have changed his mind. So yeah, Dan, at this point then, we might as well fast forward it. Casado and Lavia are now Chelsea players mm-hmm. and Liverpool are like bafflingly now Chelsea players. <laughs> just like, yeah, it is. How do you figure that out, Sam? Like, yeah. 100 year contracts, whatever. Um, Liverpool haven't got a DM mm-hmm. and the season started. And here we go. I think it was the, the first game of the season, but it was ironically against Chelsea and Liverpool haven't got a DM because of the ones that they wanted to go into Chelsea. Um, go and play Alexis McAllister, Curtis Jones is linked with playing there as well, whatever. That week then, Wataro Endo. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, he said he was always on the list, but he had to go to the owners and convince them that the age thing meant that he could do it. Um, this was the one idea one. of a Santa scroll here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's that down. Wichoro Endo. Okay, <laughs> he's, he's he's down on that list. This is one of the most surprising Liverpool transfers. Usually, getting linked to a a, a, a player of a, this is a loan. Arthur Mello on the last day of the season. Mm-hmm. The transfer window is open for a few more weeks. Liverpool chose to go with Taro Endo here. I don't know. By all accounts, everyone likes him. The stats are good, blah, blah, blah. It's just the age range and, and perhaps whatever. But this was a big shock. When when that, that came out, it was I was we were all at home. Mm-hmm. I think it was quite late on a Wednesday. Looking back at it now, and I did a video from ours going, oh my God. The first thing I thought was, is that a real account? It was Fabrizio Romano. I think you broke this one. And I'm checking. Could people, anyone can buy a blue tick now? You're looking for like, is the O a zero? Is that a fake? But no. Motaro Endo, out of nowhere, really. Mm. That is a shocking... A surprise I've had since of an actual deal since the Casado one maybe. But <laughs> I think, as, as a name, I'll be honest, I had never heard of. This was out the blue. It was again just from nowhere. Liverpool signing with Arwendo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it caught everyone off guard. Like I've said numerous times on different shows, I've spent all summer chasing up different people, different journalists, people who know the people that were linked with to try and get a little bit of an insight on them. And funnily enough, that day, I think it was off that day, but I spent a bit of time in the morning sort of getting some names together for your Tarams, your Konegs, this world. The players, I felt like, Czech the Corvey was another one at the time, yeah. felt like we might make a move for one of them. Drawn up a big list, and then later on that night, we are about to sign Endo, and I'm like, well, I've got absolutely nothing on him. Like, I don't know who <laughs> he is. Who do I know in Germany? Yeah. Who do I know on that? So that was a, a massive curveball for all of us. But yeah, I think it's no surprise that Klopp and and whoever else has to go and convince FSG because it's so far removed from their policy of signing footballers. It's untrue. Like, it just doesn't... The only box it does tick is, is the fact that he costs about 16 million. Outside of that, they'd have had no interest in the I think deal. the stats... Maybe, but it's FSG well. on board about the stats. Not maybe, I think you know somebody I mean? is. Somebody, maybe, yeah. But anyway, the money ball side of things, perhaps, yeah. yeah. But in terms of like the age profile is way away from that. Yeah, so I'm not surprised that you have to do a little bit of sweet talking on that regard. But for me, what it is, and I've said this a few times again, like because of the Casado saga and the Lavia saga, which leaves us empty-handed and we are scrambling around. We just played a game, ironically, against Chelsea, like I say, which, by the way, is another reason I think we stayed in the Casado race because it meant he wasn't registered to play in time against us. That <laughs> might be a nice little 
sweetness of the deal if there was one to walk away from. to play against us. Possibly, <laughs> Madden's a favourite. I wouldn't game, yeah. He's um, <laughs> done everyone else uh, a favourite. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, I think the, the endo stuff, yeah, absolutely came out the blue. But I think more than anything, what it was, like I say, we were just left so empty-handed, left so bewildered as to where we're going next. We literally looked at that list of players and we've gone with the core. Right? They won 70 million for him and they need to find the replacement and so on and so on. Who can we get that'll be through the door and signed in the next 48 hours, Endo. He's going to cost us 16 million there or thereabouts. We know we'll go to Stuttgart, we'll pay that money. He'll be absolutely desperate to come. There'll be no complications. He's fit, he's healthy, he'll pass a medical. He can be in the squad to play Bournemouth. And as it turns out, that's what it was because we were left scrambling around so much. We had to do something. We had to act fast. We couldn't afford to get embroiled in another saga. We couldn't let our DM search run for another week two weeks three weeks or even like three days so we acted fast and we got endo in and like i say if they did make that decision based on how quickly he could get someone in he was the perfect outcome because he was there he played on the sunday against bournemouth like it just happened so so quick and i as much as people don't like the player or the profile or think he's going to be particularly brilliant for us i don't blame us for doing that either because ultimately it meant that we have an option there and he was there in the click of a finger Cloak. We've got, a, we've got a comment here from Mr. J Mango who says, um, the PR move by Liverpool on Endo is laughable. We've signed a 30-year-old from a relegation threatened side, to, a relegation side every year to replace Fabinho. No one wants them before us and there was a, and there was a reason that no one else wants them before us. That is what, you can take a look at it that way, can't you? I mean, there is, it, you it, could look at signing Lavia from a relegated side mm. for 50 million is worse by that logic. No, no, I, yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't get relegated. I suppose, yeah, I suppose the flip side is relegated. Exactly, yeah. If you want to use that logic, it's irrelevant where you sign them from. Is the player good enough? You, he's probably right, by the way. He's probably not good enough to take Liverpool to a Champions League title. In fact, he's definitely not. But, you know. What were your thoughts, Endo, then? Because it, 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 the PR drive, I must admit, the PR went into overdrive. And then, of course, it is. Liverpool are going to try and do everything they can. They're not going to just say, oh, yeah, he's literally shit. He's, all, he's the only one we could get, and we were desperate, and our crap. But it does kind of feel like, oh, shit, we were desperate, and we could get him. Because at this point, I don't know if they'd done it. Maybe they had just gone round the market and gone, how much is he going to be? Or can we get him? Or can we get him? And because the Lavia and Casado thing, they probably thought they were going to get one of them, and now they haven't. We're scrambling around it, and listen, Endo could be brilliant, and we'll find out. I don't know. We haven't seen him play enough yet. He looked all right, I think, at, at times, but it did feel like this was the again Liverpool panicking, and Liverpool don't like to panic. When they panic, they've had to get Ben Davies or Ozan Kabak on loan or, or Arthur Mello on loan. I hope this isn't that, but it kind of smells a little bit of that at times. Yeah, but Liverpool had to react, and they have reacted. They've got someone who Jürgen clearly liked years ago, uh, has kept a good watch on. Um, and, you know, the, the contract situation with how many years we offered them, I was a little bit surprised at that. I think it's about four years. I wasn't mm. expecting it to be that many years we gave him. But Liverpool had to react in the market, and they knew that every other club knew how much that they had in the bank to spend. And if they would have went for an extremely high-profile player, first of all, you've got to convince them to come to Liverpool. Well, we couldn't convince Casado to come to Liverpool, so you've already got a problem there. The season's already begun. They might have already started for their league. There was players who, um, later on in the window, like Cucurella got cup-tied, and therefore United were like, why the hell would they want him now? Um, so Liverpool had to react, and they did react. Was it a player we all wanted? No, we'd never heard of him before. But he came, and in his videos, he looks completely made up. This is a 30-year-old lad who thought his dream of playing on the biggest stage for the biggest clubs was over. And here he is, 
all of a sudden getting rung up by Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp and saying, will you come and do a job for us? He's clearly being brought in as a stopgap. He's not your DM for the next four, five, six, seven years, like I say, there would have been. But he's going to be there in rotation or there or thereabouts, uh, whether it's rotation with McAllister or Ryan Gravenberch or Sobersly, by the way, who did an incredible mm. DM role against Newcastle. Um He's in rotation with them, and we're we're clearly gonna bring someone who's in who is experienced. Sorry, he's captain uh, of his national side. You know, he was captain of Stuttgart. He could become James Milner, that James Milner role that we needed. So Liverpool did react, and no, it wasn't the player we wanted because we wanted if there wasn't Casado, we wanted the next best. But it's Casado, and then there is a massive drop off to anyone else who was available, and that is just the truth. And Tushimeni wasn't available, um. So Liverpool reacted, and look, I'm gonna get behind the lad and support the yeah, lad absolutely. as much as can. We all will. Um, I'm not writing him off yet. He looks a little bit slow. He needs to get used to the tempo of the Premier League. That's for sure. Um, but let's see what he does. And also, if we would have signed Casado, we might not have been able to get Ryan Gravenberch. And if Ryan Gravenberch turns out to be as good as I think he is in my head, mm-hmm. I'd have absolutely hated the fact that he'd have been at somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Maybe bringing in Mutaru Endo meant, oh look, that Andre that we've been linked with. Yeah, well we've already sorted the deal behind the, the wraps here for, for January. We've got him. We've got our replacement there for, you know, the understudy for Batari. Maybe Batari becomes Fabinho and the understudy is Andre in a couple of years' time. Um, and also on top of that, it, it meant that we could potentially get Gravenberch, which we did. And in January, if we do need a centre-back, because I still believe we should have got a centre-back in some capacity, if we do find someone on the market or if there's someone available, God forbid, I mean, too sure many, I doubt we'd go for now with the amount of midfielders we've signed. But if, if he does come in as that CDM role, maybe it is a case of, you know, we've done something to get us through for the the season or even till January and we've got the money there to spend but we will not spend it until it's the correct player and maybe we do something like well, that, that so can I, can I, I, want to, I want to fast forward because that, that is the other one Andre Chloe just mentioned there he is available they seemingly like him in and around the Casado Lavia stuff the pool it's confirmed I've spoken about Andre to his club it's by all accounts there's a release clause if they wanted to activate that so they, they, he was the other option. Like he was there, they like him, and there was potentially a release clause. Now, obviously, his club don't want to lose him. They're playing Copa Libertadores football. They're not going to do anything less than the release clause. There was talk of Decore at Palace, but by this point, Palace and Liverpool have got under £11 million in the pocket. It, this is... Andre could, they could have had Andre, basically, and they've chosen not to. It might be that there's a deal to be done down the line where they can get it for £15 million cheaper. But that decision was made. Yeah, I By think, all accounts, there was a release clause, and they chose not to, to activate that. Yeah, I think you can only judge the midfield rebuild when it's been rebuilt. And I don't think I don't think anyone's sitting here thinking Endo's the future of the midfield. So it's very hard. Like yeah, yeah. you can judge a transfer window mm-hmm. when when Endo's the only DM that you've brought yeah. in, but you can't you can't judge the full midfield rebuild, can you? Because I'm like I'm like Chloe, I'm like you and everyone else. I think Liverpool are going to go and try and sort Andre out for January. Um, the endo stuff, he could be a great um, stopgap. For me, his and I've I've listened to a lot of NFL podcasts recently around fantasy and stuff, and I've used this term a, a couple of times. Is is his range of pot- possible outcomes are quite small. I think they know what they're getting with endo. I think you don't quite know what you're getting with a lavia over the short term period of time. I think you know. That, you know his range of outcomes is massive, really high ceiling over the long term. But at the end, though, they need to play a little bit safe. Let's not forget that last year we we brought in Arthur Mello. His loan fee was rumored to be close on five million pounds. 
you know, and then you're paying his wages. And I think the to buy option was like 37 million quid, something like that on an Arthur Mello. There's, a, you know, in terms of what Liverpool paid for Arthur Mello last season with wages plus a 5 million loan fee, and probably what the, we are with Wittoro Endo with 50 million, let's say, and his wages, which will be a lot less, I'm assuming. It's probably not far off what we've paid, but you couldn't pay Stuttgart for a loan for a 30-year-old who was their captain and kind of talisman. So there are way, there is a reason Liverpool have done it this way around. Um, personally, I, I, I think they perhaps should have gone all out on Andre if that was the future. Um, I would rather have done it that way around. The rumours of his release fee, I mean, I heard 65 at some point, and I heard 38. I think it was 40, 40 million euros. That's the lower one. Yeah. 40 yeah. million euros. Like, that to me doesn't really make too much sense why Liverpool haven't done that, to be honest. Unless if, they're going to wait to January and get him for half that. that which is true, but like, and this is why it doesn't make sense. Sorry. Gravenberg ain't a first teamer, as I see it right now. I see that if you're playing a three-man midfield, Andre would be your first teamer, Soboslai would be your first teamer, and McAllister would be your first teamer. I would always rather sort the first team out before the squad. So if Andre's available for about the same price as Gravenberch, I'm probably going to go for the one who's going to play week in, week out, and have more impact. That's where I have a problem with this signing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it, I, I bought Liverpool, Jürgen Klopp, really like players that want to play for their teams. And Andre's clearly said, and I think Fluminese are the same, kind of want to get this Copa Libertadores done. And there's a bit of respect there from Liverpool that have gone like that. Love that. Ain't going to abandon us. Wants to finish what he started at a football club. We'll come back for him. Maybe that, and that might be the case. With that money, then maybe to potentially down all others. Right, let's move on to Ryan Gravenberch then. <laughs> Liverpool wanted Ryan Gravenberch from like two years ago. Yeah. They want, they've been working on this since April and the stance was always... Buy an answer and buy an answer and buy an answer and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, by the way, buy him might sell now for whatever reason. They think basically the player's kicked off. It looks like he, he whatever. This and I'm with Chris. This feels more like a there's a really good player who we really really like. We'll get him in and we'll box it off. We'll do something. There's talk now that he, he again he has played six before. Mm -hmm. He might do it in a McAllister mm -hmm. role where in certain games he might just go with three more technically footballers where you don't you might not need that destroyer type of thing. Mel Reddy said the destroyer and the progressor. Yeah. That's what Liverpool's plan might be in certain games. The Gravenberg one for me, and I don't want to put words in but I like your thoughts on it, his this is Liverpool, a player they really like, they've liked for a while, and he's on the market and they've gone, yeah, Sam. Mm -hmm. We're happy with that fee. It's a decent fee. Bayern Munich are happy because they're effectively doubling their dough on a lad who hasn't kicked the ball for them. The player's happy. That This does... You saw those opportunistic signings and Liverpool maybe not, not always known for them. This feels like the perfect opportunistic signing. Yeah, well, if Endo wasn't, then Gravenberch is most definitely right in the sweet spot for Liverpool transfers. For me, I think he's a very smart piece of business. You mentioned there we've liked him for a long time. Jürgen Klopp's wanted him for a long time. We wanted him before he made the move for Ajax to Bayern Munich. And people forget, people have got short memories really on Gravenberch. They see the year he's had at Bayern Munich and write him off as a footballer, forgetting that prior to that, he was sort of spoken about in the same breath as you, as you two and many you you Bellingham's this world he is, the he, he is that talented he, he truly is but in terms of us Chris is right in terms of he isn't a, a nailed on first teamer because he's not a six he's played like 30 odd games as a six for Ajax and he does it okay mainly in the double pivot he was alongside Alvarez who's now at West Ham of course and we could use him in that vein obviously you could have a McAllister alongside him potentially you could get Trent in there at times too so there are possibilities to do that 
and he's not a nailed on eight either because for me Sobers Lyon McAllister both ahead of him in terms of that particular pecking order but what he is he's that multifunctional player he's a player that it's fascinating that there was so much sort of anger around the fact we didn't go for a DM an out and out DM late in the window despite all the reports for about two weeks building up to deadline day saying Liverpool aren't going for DM anymore they want this multifunctional player and that's exactly what Graven Birch is he's, he's young he's talented he can still be moulded into whatever Jurgen Klopp likes which I think is a huge part of this as well we've seen Players signed for Liverpool in recent times with Gino and Alden's probably the perfect example of it. Me and Chris spoke about this in depth on, de- on deadline day. Um, but Cody Gappo similar. He another... spoke about everything in depth he on did, deadline you're day. Right, yeah, literally. But Cody Gappo is another example. Of this. I know they're all Dutch, so it's like the most easy comparison to make in the world. But a player who has sort of applied his trade doing one particular thing, all of a sudden comes to Liverpool and we make him something completely different. Harvey Elliott as well. Harvey Elliott as well. Yeah, that was more maybe circumstance in terms of he didn't have the pace to be a Salah possibly. But who knows? But I think Liverpool just see a genuine in world-class talent in this line. It's so it's almost difficult for me to say that because of the year he's had at Bayern Munich, but that's just circumstances. Like, Nagelsmann signed him, Sally Hammerich signed him, both of them leave the club half through the season. He's left walking around going, well, nobody's here that brought me here, so what am I doing? Um, I think it's such a smart piece of business for Liverpool, I really do, and I really like Chris's line. I've reused it myself a couple of times when he said that this is a piece of business that Bayern Munich might look at, back on and go, why do we let him go to Liverpool? Because I really believe that to be the Chelsea case. Chelsea Exactly, 30 odd million He's young, he's talented, like I say. And yeah, I just think for what he offers our squad, it's so, so key. Because even though we've done good business, it felt like we were always sort of on the cusp of being, not in a crisis, but struggling. Because if we lose a McAllister for suspension, like we very nearly did, of course, could have been three games. You go to a Jones, who's sort of historically injury prone. It's not great. But if, now if you can go to a Gravenberch or a Jones, it's like, wow, look at the squad options. We always sort of um, hail Man City's squad as having internationals left, right and centre. He's a senior international for Holland. He's fell off a cliff a little bit at Bayern. But he's a very, very good footballer, who I think, will come again at Liverpool so I'm really excited about oh, it can I ask you on this one because on the grabbing bridge stuff they got him on deadline day it took a long time to get this one done do you think oh, really did. <laughs> as Chris and Dan are well aware they had, they had a, a monster day that day um, do you think this was they, they knew they were going to get him early because you are right the squad needed someone and we were talking about this multi- multifunctional player for a long time someone who can do all this kind of stuff but there was a case, there was there was a you know there was a school of thought even on deadline day that oh my god but Paulini is not going to buy and they might not sell him now they did the fact that he left this one late for me suggests that it was more about the player than the positions it was actually him because if if, if if it wasn't him it was going to be nobody there was no way there was no pivot about they must have been uh, been really really confident that he could get him which I don't know where they got that information from because buying were adamant they weren't or it is specifically we just like him the player because if you do a, de- a deal at ten pm on deadline day or whatever it is. There's no wiggle room. There's nobody else. So it must be grabbing bait specific, you would think. Yeah, like, like you've mentioned, Jürgen Klopp wants them years ago. And Ajax, he did tear up the Champions League. He was brilliant. And when Bayern Munich got him for how cheap they got him as well, I was devastated. It was a player. I was like, oh, I would have loved Liverpool to have signed him. And here we are, you know, two years later, and he's now signing for us. I think... When um when the original you know rumours came up that we were interested in him, I remember people saying who were breaking the news, the reporters, the journalists, keep an eye on this because it can go till deadline day. Because at some point, you know, Bayern Munich might have to look differently at the situation. And I'm pretty sure Thomas Tuchel got told, no, you can't have a DM unless you you, you get some money for us because we we don't have the facilities. Well, so, it turns out they didn't get a loan for the Kane deal, which has come right. out. So they had that money sat in their bank, so they've spent a hundred yeah. plus million pounds on Harry Kane. 
without yeah. using a loan. So they they their things went boom. Yeah, and 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 that was the big thing. It was a uh, if you know this got them enough money that they could potentially go and get a DM. Well, Thomas Tuchel would be all for that because he's bombed Gravenberch out of out of it. There was the whole thing of he's basically said to Gravenberch, "You can go if I get something." And then it came to a point where Paulinho was going to buy in, and everyone was like, "Yep, yeah, this makes sense. The money that we've gave to them is going into Paulinho. That's how they've been able to do it." As it turned out, just two flights. Yes, just two flights. Just one there and one back. <laughs> Um, so and, and, and... <laughs> and we're all there, the, way, the, the media, the, the, the photographer's wages, the wages. Yeah, yeah. Well, just... walking through it's the so airport. No need, no it's so good. Um, but yeah, and and on that day, I remember messaging and was like into the group chat. I was like, "What the hell does this mean?" Because the Paulinho thing fell in a crumble. Nobody panics about transfers quite like Chloe Block. So oh my god! The amount of capital letters that were getting thrown around in the in the WhatsApp that day was crazy. In alphabet soup. In the WhatsApp, like, <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, and when Pauline, yeah, you know that that broke down. I was worried that he wasn't going to come to us, but it turns out that they wanted the fee. The player had decided, lads, please let me go. I forgot that point. It was already done. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and I'm I'm so glad we've got him. He was a. He's still. He's 21, is he? Like that's a player that Jurgen Klopp can mould. He might not be your out and out DM, or he might not be a starter. But in five years' time, if he goes on the trajectory, <laughs> yeah, he could be both. The the you know if he can find the form he was at Ajax and implement it here, and he's in a better team, by the way, um, and under better management, and the one manager you'd want to give you a hug, build your confidence, lift your back up. It's Jurgen Klopp. Um, so I am so excited for Ryan Gravenberch under Jurgen Klopp. Let's move on then, Chris. That's what he did do. That's everything that did happen there's a couple of loans elsewhere and that film's going on don't it etc etc et mm-hmm. but that's what's done what is there anything else, is there, sorry is there anything else you think they would slash should have done because I I was adamant they were going to get a defender in mm-hmm. and I still think they should have that's my thing but I I didn't know they'd get four midfielders and I thought they might be three and one but Liverpool didn't get this defender, and I think that's the one that probably most people. I expected them to, did you? Yeah, hundred percent. And it was always a left-sided centre back for me. It was never a right-sided centre back, and it was always to do with Robertson and the position in the three-box three and, and the new formation and stuff. So I was really surprised, and I was emboldened the day before deadline day that that was going to be where they go because they let Hincapier, Phillips go Hincapier. and the Hincapé links and it just felt like wow perfect just like a jigsaw fitting together didn't it but like getting rid of Phillips just seemed like he was the insurance blanket he was the one guy that you could guarantee every single week he was going to be fit like you know what I mean but I think the one thing that's changed probably um, from the outside looking in is Jürgen's seen Drell Quonset for a couple of months now and gone yeah, he's better than Nathaniel Phillips and Reese Williams, so I'm happy to roll with him. Um, and from the flashes that we've seen of him so far and his, his two substitute appearances, it's hard to disagree, to be honest. So I think they are thinking about the long-term future of the club. It wouldn't surprise me if something happened in January, but Robertson's performance at the weekend was like top drawer as well. Um, absolutely back to his best. If there's a balance between this three at the back and four at the back and we can get into our four at the back, then Robertson's brilliant to still have there, of course. And, you know, if you can curb his sort of natural willingness to go forwards or want to go forwards, then he's going to be a perfect fifth for us. So it's all about balance with this squad at the moment. And I think, you know, for me, we're, we're still a little light. Obviously, it looks like we're really light at right back. Um, because of the injury to Ramsey, injury to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, Conor Bradley. You've got Joe Gomez who's going to be slotting in at right back, which already means right now maybe that it's going to be Matip and Kwanzaa. 
that, that four games into the season is a bit like, hey, 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 here we go again type mm-hmm. of stuff. And that says to me that Liverpool made a mistake not signing the centre-half. And I, I believe that all up until deadline day, and I still believe it now. Oh, I suppose, so. Cole, can I just jump in there? Obviously, Kim and Gavardi are on the market yeah. early, though, and they go to Bayern and City. And they were never, I don't think that was ever realistic at this point. It might have been, but I don't know. Other than that, really, there was, there was Mickey van der Venlinks, and he looks like he's done quite yeah. well at Spurs already. He looks like a gettable player. Although, by all accounts, he didn't want to go anywhere where he wasn't going to play. And he might not have been guaranteed to play at Liverpool. And Capier was linked. And Nastio was linked, wasn't he, from Sporting? Yeah. But I don't know if Liverpool have looked at it and just gone for £40 million, £50 million, pounds, whatever it's going to be. We need someone who is absolutely better than Matam and Gomez. Now, some of those lads might be and probably are. And they probably are. But... Just want someone to be fitter than them. And, that, and yeah, that's a good point as well. But they <laughs> haven't. Massive <laughs> me. Look at that. He's out already. Yeah. I can't imagine it's financial, but I might be wrong because listen, they could have chosen not to sign Ryan Gravenberch and sign a defender if they wanted to. What do you think the reason is? Is it Kwanzaa because Liverpool decided not to do this? And I think we're all in agreement that a defender short. So why do you think they didn't do it? I genuinely don't have a clue because it, it was glaringly obvious. I mean, look at the, the back-up to Robertson. It's Costas, and Costas cannot do the defensive side that we now ask for in a three-back. I think technically he's really good. Over set-pieces, he's good. He's good getting forward. But defensively, he's not as good as Robertson. And there's already been questions over Robertson's defensive, um, you know, performances so far this season. Aston Villa, he was brilliant. I thought, you know, Chelsea wasn't as good, but no one else was helping him on that side. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I've got no idea. I would have thought, even if we did sign Gravenberch, we had enough money there in the pot to go and sign someone. And there was... The, the problem was, when Yigavardio got taken off the market and then, you know, Inacio, we'd been linked with, signed a new contract with a higher release clause. When this started going on, it was like, who the hell is available then? Like, who is available? Then Hincapi, towards, like, the last two weeks... Wasn't was available. ...was bringing, being brought up, but they wouldn't sell him. And it, it, it kind of was like... Who the hell are we signing? Levi Colwell was the talk of the time for the first couple of months. Was not available. Chelsea put a you know a marker over that. So Liverpool were always against the tide of it, which meant you were going to have to pay decent money. So maybe that was the problem, or you were going to have to find someone really young, um, who you just rolled with, and maybe we already had that in Quanser. And on top of that, at this point. Liverpool was still looking for the the DM. That this problem with selling the likes of Fabinho and that we did only have two places, didn't we, for non English players? One of them was taken by Bataru Endo, and then it was a case of right, well, we can't sign two players unless one of them's still from England. It turns out that Gravenberch is it of age where he gets through, so he doesn't need to be. That's the happy thing as well, though. And mm. that is and it. He was yeah, twenty one as well. So enough. then you were like, oh, there's a space for Andre I in January. Yes, exactly. None of it happened. Sorry, Dan. I suppose. The the this is probably I think this here is the Henderson Fabinho fallout. Is that they the time mm-hmm. and effort and panic to have to get a DM? There was the defenders had either gone gone somewhere else. These teams have spent the money on them. It was too late in the window to get them. Why on earth? It's like Leverkusen at the top of the league at the minute. Why why were they going to let, let their player go now? Tottenham got theirs in relatively early. Mm-hmm. I feel like Liverpool's plan and this is Mike and you're telling me I'm wrong was. Midfielder, midfielder, defender. Oh, by the way, we can get the last midfielder now. But they had to go midfielder, midfielder, DM. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and they're scrambling around the market now, and there's no one left. Because the, 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 at this point, the options, if, if Leverkusen said Hincapi is not for sale, then why would he be? Mm-hmm. They've got they've got a big mm-hmm. campaign ahead of them. 
it does feel like this is where the the delay in having to get a DM might have costly. But that's my reading into this anyway. No, you're probably right. And the fact, like I say, it took us till 10 p.m. on deadline day to confirm Mike Gavinberch would sort of play into that theory as well. But somebody needs to remind Liverpool then you can do two bits of transfer business at once because it just feels like we go for that and it's all about that and then we get that and then we move on to the next one. You are allowed to do two things at the same Chelsea time. Chelsea signed both our DMs. In the day, <laughs> sense, yeah. So I, I make you right because that's quite clearly how it looks. You could do a timeline of Liverpool's business over the summer. has been McAllister, Sabozlai. Big ass break. Big ass break while you mess around for a bit with Lavia, but it was laser focused on Lavia for that time period. Then we sort of pivot to Caicedo. They both fall through, so we get Endo through the door. And then it's all laser focused. We end up getting Gravenberch. Like, that's fine in terms of business. But how much of that business could have been done a couple of weeks earlier? Not the Gravenberch one, I, I grant you, because that was very much a case, like you mentioned before. He's opportunistic. All summer long, I spoke to dozens of German journalists who were saying he really wants to go, but Bayern don't want to sell him. He might just have to you wait. You have to wait. wait. Liverpool have to wait for the start of the season to see if he's in the side. Because then, yes, and, we then, and, then, and then you know yeah, whether fine. he's going to be available. Yeah, because he, he kicked up a stink himself essentially after the after he made his first minute. Actually, I think against Werder Bremen, he hadn't played at all at the start of the season. He missed like the first three games, and then he played like ten minutes at the end of a game when they were like three 0 up. And he said, because he was right on the the transfer deadline week, and he said, "What's going on?" He said, "We'll have to wait and see." So we could have easily shut it down, but him saying that clearly meant buying went. All right, do you know what we need to deal with this lad? So fine, no issue with that. But while all that was going on, what's to stop us going sort of? making some conversations happen about the defender like I the Hincapié stuff was so late and there was that Arta Tiat as well yeah, uh, yeah. another one the Belgian yeah. lad he was around the 30 million mark again right in that sweet spot and I grant you none of these options that we've spoken about Mark Gay he comes into this category as well none of them are perfect they're not they're, the perfect one was Levi Colwell and we know that Chelsea weren't up for selling him and they've given him a new contract since so fine but we're not in a perfect world of transfers anymore for Liverpool and we can't afford, in my opinion, to take risks with our season and that's kind of what we've done a little bit. Like It felt to me, come back to right at the start when I said we'd probably sell Thiago, I thought we'd sell Timokas as well because I thought we'd sign a left-sided centre-back which meant there was no role for Timokas anymore and he'd be the one to move on also. So, And I'm surprised that we've not got that done. The midfield thing, I'm fine with, by the way, including Endo in that. I'm absolutely at peace with that. I can make do. It already looks like it's going to work. Add grab and burst to the mix. Happy days but the defender thing will will niggle away at me for some time because it just feels like an opportunity missed and we're already what are we four weeks into the season and we're already looking at a joe gomez at right back massive center back conservate left side. come on like we've if that's your defense in the fourth game of the season for the fourth family game fifth, fifth, sorry, fifth sorry that's bad that's bad news, in my opinion. We haven't played enough footy yet to warrant that back four. We just haven't, and we're already there. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's like Inacio's with a couple of comments here. So one was like, it was Dom who says they should have just released, used Inacio's release clause when they wanted to. Pavard was available, 30 million if they wanted him, says Gavin. So there were players there. They didn't get one. So that is the window as a whole. And Chloe, I'll start with you first. That is Lippo's window as a whole encapsulated. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything in between. We're going to have to put a grade on it now. That's what I want from everyone. So I've got eventually the top of the show, we're back to being a school teacher. Not just who we got, who we missed out on, the processes. I want you can we encapsulate it all? How would you grade Liverpool's transfer window? Um, I've not had much time to think about it. I'll, I'll go with it. You've had about now. I talking, yeah. I have about it. Um, I, I was going to give them a B plus because I love the signings we've made, but then I remembered the saga with Casado and how you know we haven't signed a left sided centre back. So I'm going to go with a B minus. I think the players we've brought in are absolutely 
brilliant. They're doing the heavy lifting. Sobislai for 60, McAllister for yeah. 35, Gravenberch for 40. I think the amount of money spent on them is incredible as well. So that is why they're getting the B. With Taru Endo, I'd have liked another DM, I, I will be honest. But also, I know he's a stopgap. We have to react. At least we've got a DM through the door. Um, I am really let down to the fact that we haven't brought a centre back in because like you said you can't rely on Kanata you can't rely on Joe Gomez you can't rely on Joel Matip and here we are without Virgil because he got a red card as well Um, so I'm a little bit upset with that and also there was just far too much stress for me to enjoy it <laughs> I hated every single second of that transfer window yeah pretty much all of it yeah so, so Chloe's gone B yeah. um, B B yeah. minus B minus B minus sorry B minus from Chloe yeah, Chris I'll come to you next yeah I, I think when you just judge on the players that Liverpool have bought I would be happy giving them an A minus there uh, I'm going to drop it to a B plus because I don't think the timing of the deals has helped us. I think Gravenberg's great signing. And I understand why you've signed him at the time you've signed him. Uh, Endo, whatever you could have got him at any point during the summer. To be honest, if you if that's where you were going to go to, um, but again because of the Lavia and the Casado things and them rumbling on meant that you didn't even think you were in for Endo until late. The really early signings of, of, of McAllister and Sobersly are brilliant. I think the, the sort of dead wood that Liverpool have got rid of, um, although slightly disrespectful, uh, you understand what I'm trying to say here, is it, it's where we needed to go to for the future. You could have taken this from a B-plus to an A-plus with a left-sided centre-half that was worth 50, 60 million quid in my eyes. But I think, generally speaking, Liverpool have had a really good window in terms of where our squad is, I think we're, I think we're better than last year, yeah. and I think that's obviously goes into being a B plus for me. So yeah, I think the midfield is well better than last year. Um, it might be better in different areas. You know, we're we're not quite as good in the DM role. We might probably be. we might be, but we're def. I think we're definitely better in in the attacking end of the end of things. I think our, <clears throat> you know, our. Forwards are pretty much the same, aren't they? We've obviously lost a little bit of Firmino, but you know, Gakpo was brought in early, wasn't he? Um, to transition into it. And I think our defence is the same as last year. So I think we've improved all in, uh, but not by much. Hey, Dan. I was at a B plus until my defender rant about two minutes ago, which has knocked myself down to a B minus because Oh, yeah, yeah, it just felt. Yeah, I'm annoyed <laughs> by it. I've annoyed myself by it um, <laughs> because, I, like I say, it just felt it, once again. Actually, in Liverpool transfer window, like we were on the brink of boxing everything that we needed, like just having it completely set, and that's with all the turmoil and the unplanned exits and all that. We could have completely sorted ourselves out just with one more signing. I know that sounds so easy to say, and I'm aware of all the complications that go into signing these lads. We already discussed the fact that half the clubs didn't want to sell, and there's inflated fees, etc., etc. You have to get the player to be convinced, blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, we could have done that. In my opinion, we've had all summer potentially, and this the defensive situation hasn't changed. We've known Gomez and Massive for injury prone and Canate. We've known that all summer long. We've known Van Dijk is off the back of probably his worst year for Liverpool, you might say. Certainly in terms of fitness, he was fit all the way through and he wasn't quite at his level. So that has been glaringly obvious. And add into the mix, we've already gone to the new system, which we kind of thought Robertson didn't suit anyway last year. So that that was all there for all to see. So to not get a defender through the door is a big kick for me, big kick in the teeth, and I like. Concert. I've spoken about concert on multiple occasions, and Liverpool clearly like him as well. But I've also said on multiple occasions to go from Bristol Rovers on a little loan spell to being part of a Premier League squad, possibly starting a Premier League game, is an almighty jump. So that's a concern. But yeah, I'd give it a B minus. Like I said, I'm really made up with the people we've brought in. I think attacking wise, 
massively improved on last season. I just feel like we might have left ourselves short. It's a challenge. I mean, to really challenge for the Premier League and the top, top honours. Because we're in the Europa League, I'm quite at peace with that. I think we can do that even with this squad. But if we were going to challenge Man City... A defender would have made the world a difference. Okay, cool. John, in the, I'll go through some of the YouTube. Uh, the what's your grade? I'll get mine in a minute, don't worry. John Paddy's gone for a C plus, so is Mr. J Mango. Nigel said A because he's really pleased with the additions. Freedom gave a B, so did Gavin. Uh, we had Hugo says B minus at best. Yeah, there's loads more in there as well. My thing on this is that I am delighted with McAllister and Soberslight. I think they're brilliant signings. I'm really happy about Ryan Gravenberch. He's one they want, and I think he's going to be good. And though, I don't know. I worry about the process of how this window went. Sometimes you don't end up with the players, and that that's, that shit happens. You know what I mean? Players can always pick elsewhere. I have not been encouraged by Liverpool being Liverpool used to be the gold standard of this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and they have not been the gold standard. They got pressured into selling players, maybe they didn't want to. I think they accepted bids that were too low for two for Henderson and, and Fabinho. Maybe the Casado Lavia debacle is a bit of a debacle. And he didn't get a defender. So I think I I am on the fence because I, I am made up with the three we've got. I think Sobersly looks like a superstar, like the next one. And I think McAllister's right there next to him as well. So I am similar. I think I would go along the same as, as Dan and Chloe, more like in the B minus range. It's the 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 process worries me. And I know you're you're in a similar boat, Chris. You, you, sometimes things just don't work out how you want them to, but how you got to your decision making is more actually sometimes more important than the end result. And the fact that it was such a big mess was a bit like that, that's jarring to me. If I put on if I'm FSG now, I don't think I'm queuing up to give Jorg Schmadke. You you know <laughs> and I'm I'm not because there's nothing I've seen from it. Whereas in the past, even when you've missed out on listen, there was the Van Dyke debacle was a debacle. Yeah. But that was more because they went about it the right way. They just got found out doing it. You know what I mean? Everyone's tapping everyone up. They just got fucking caught out with it. They were right to do what they did. Shit happens sometimes. I'll so tell that- you what, these are these are the types of shows that we should look back on in like two years' time. Because if yeah. if like people have started to mention Stephen Gerrard, right? About Sobersly and McAllister and the Alonzos and stuff yep. like that, and you pick Alonzo and Gerard up in one window, and people are giving B minuses out here, and they turn out to be who they're going to be. It's unbelievable. But equally, in the same vein, if Liverpool get another injury and fall outside of the Champions League, then B plus looks absolutely stupid. Yeah, yeah, we're NFL fans, Chris, and it's a bit like we do the draft in the NFL. It's like if you find your starting quarterback, but no one else pull it from you at that draft play, it's still a draft because you found the best player. If Dom Sobersly and Alexis McAllister turn out to be what they could be, no one might give a fuck about any of this other stuff because you might fill those gaps in later. So it, you are right. This is just, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm judging it as the window is more like the process of what we yeah, went through. Same. I think it started really well. McAllister and Sobersly early doors were like, wow, this is an A+. Plus. And then it kind of was up and down from there. So that's why I went B- minus as well. But yeah, we're all in a, in a similar range, really. You're the positive one. Yeah, no. That isn't always the case. It's no, usually my it, job. No, no, no. B+. Plus. <laughs> No. Dan, that, I mean, Dan dropped himself two grades by his own rant. Yeah. <laughs> Easily himself. led. <laughs> Easily led as I said. By himself. You're peer pressured by myself. Watch him hold his own hand and walk himself to the <laughs> toilet in the middle. In a minute. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So that's where we are. Um, right then, thanks very much, guys. I thought that was a really interesting conversation, one that needed to happen. Thanks all you guys for watching or listening to this one. Quite a long one, but hopefully you've enjoyed it. Like I say, if you do want to help us out and help our sponsors out, thank you so much to HelloFresh. If you click the link below, or like I say, if you're listening to this, there's a link there as well. 
as well, or just head over to their website. Use code Red. Food Me- is boss, like. Yeah, Food boss class. You click the link below; it helps us out. Um, Aaron uses it and has done for for months and months now. Um, Aaron, one of the one of the producers on the show, and I was chatting to him about it yesterday, and he's like, "You just find it dead easy, like." And mm. you know, this is it, it, Aaron was talking to me as a as a mate and, and stuff. Someone you work with, and he's like, "It's just perfect for us. We get like four meals a weekend. We don't have any leftovers. No waste. Food's really good. You get to keep the menus, so you can do those meals again if you want to, and stuff like that." And he says, "Just fits their lifestyle. So if you're busy and you you don't have time to go shopping and stuff like that, then you know you can highly recommend HelloFresh. Absolutely, yeah. So if you want to get involved, like say sixty percent off your first box and twenty five percent off your next eight boxes, like say click that link. Use code RedmenTV or one way. So R E M E R E D E M E N T V. Made that a mouthful, didn't I? I'm gonna do it again. R E D M E N T V. No spaces. Get yourselves involved with HelloFresh. Thanks everyone for watching or listening, and we'll be back soon. See you in a bit. <laughs> 